Duncan has what you need to conquer the day. So if you want to go from, I don't got this, to, I got this, well, then get this. A bold, smooth espresso drink from Duncan, like a layered velvety caramel macchiato, a rich chocolatey mocha latte, or a creamy non-dairy oat milk latte. Because this day isn't going to conquer itself. No, you're going to do that. Take a sip of You Got This with Dunkin' Espresso drinks. Order ahead on the app plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Amanda Riggi is an account supervisor at Edelman Public Relations, where she and her team lead influencer programming for a number of Unilever's well-known food and beverage brands, such as Tazo Tea, Popsicle, and Talenti Ice Cream. Prior to joining Edelman, Amanda worked at Hyphen and BMF Media, where she specialized in facilitating partnerships between creators and Fortune 500 brands, such as Macy's, MasterCard, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, and others. Outside the office, Amanda has been on the front lines of major branded activations, which have surrounded key cultural moments, including the Grammys, New York Fashion Week, festival season, and more. All right. Amanda, thank you so, so much for being on today. It's such a pleasure to have you. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm keeping busy. Excited to be here chatting with you amidst everything going on in the world. Um, It's really nice to see a familiar face and, you know, just catch up. Agreed. Um, It's never been as nice to see a familiar face. (laughs) Um, than now when we're not seeing as many faces as we're used to. So it's really, really nice. And, you know, talking about familiar faces, I have seen you at like whim events. I see you supporting the group, whether it's your face at uh, an event or whether it's your, you know, your name in the Facebook group. Um, I just personally want to thank you for being such a like incredible member and being so active and supportive of the community. I know it's not just me that notices it. If I'm noticing it, I know that everybody else is too. So um, just thank you for being such a great member of our community. Thank you for having me. Um, I know I've, I've told you this a million times, but I love being a part of your group and it's brought forth so many amazing um, professional opportunities as well as opportunities to build friendships. Well, we're appreciative of it too. Like very, very, very much so honestly, because it's just like, it's, I don't know, you have a networking group and a networking group is only as good as its members. There's no way around that. So speaking of our other members, there are other members also from Edelman who are part of the group. Um, you guys are always active in the group. You're, you know, you, you represent really proudly the company that you guys are with. You know, you guys have offices all over the country, I think all over the world, if I'm not mistaken. Working for such a large company, I can only imagine that it's a source of pride for you. Talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. 
Sure. So um, at Edelman, I've, so I've been here for just shy of a year. Um, and for Edelman, um, I've always been in the agency world, um, PR, and then kind of working really began was when I graduated college. And, um, you know, I dove into a couple different agency settings, first and foremost with a freelance job um, for a really small influence marketing before I really knew what it was. Um, and then this, these were the days where, you know, we were scraping the Internet and making spreadsheets and all this data made for Creator IQ. And, you know, we share influencers with clients over decks and, and fun things like that. But it was really the start of it. So freelance for a small agency called Obviously Social for a while before landing um, state building here, which was a really fun job. Um, so here managing a couple of our different Macy's accounts. So everything from American Rag to Bar 3 to Activewear. So working there for about two years, diving even deeper into influencer marketing, um, really falling in love with on, on-site activations. Um, we did a lot of really fun music festival activations with influencers. So chasing them around and capturing really cool content. And that's why I really fell in love with the business. And then, uh, let's see, from there, I found a, a more event-focused agency, because that was a route that I really wanted to explore, and that was BMF Media. So here, um, at running point on the influencer relations on the digital team, um, working really fun events and digital-focused activations for clients like MasterCard and L'Oreal, so a really fun mix there. And then um, freelance for a while after that. Um, now I feel like we're all freelancers, right? <laughs> working from home, working from our couches um, before realizing that, you know, I, I missed agencies and found a fit at Edelman and I've been there ever since. I love that journey a lot. I feel like you've had a really wide variety of different experiences, which I can only imagine benefits you where you are today. Um, what I find unique about your story in particular is you kept using the word, you know, I freelanced, I freelanced, and then I freelanced. Talk to us a little bit about your experience as a freelancer. What were you doing in that capacity and what was it like? Sure. Um, so I met one of my freelance friends. I was working with her for maybe six, six months or so before Edelman and, um, you know, really enjoyed diving into new campaigns, learning about new clients and managing um, campaigns from afar. I think, you know, with our industry in particular, we we have the luxury of being able to do that. So, um, you know, kind of just working that skill that I developed for managing different campaigns and all digital focused and with different brands, uh, exploring new influencers, making creative briefs and all of the good stuff that comes with it. But um, really just from from my couch. <laughs> And and so, like, talk to us a little bit about, I don't know, the good and the bad of freelancing, right? Like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are currently freelancing, some people who are about to freelance or who are just curious about it. So talk to those people. I'd love to hear, like, the good and the bad. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So for me at the time, um, I was really interested in the idea of freelancing to have that flexibility and to really try out new roles in the influencer space and to kind of to get more of a grasp as to what I wanted to do um, long term in my next role. So for me, you know, I really got to continue working on the skills that I loved, um, talking to influencers um, all the time, talking to clients, exploring new possibilities. 
Um, so I really liked that flexibility. Um, but I'm, I'm a social creature and I do realize that I need a lot more face to face interaction than, than something like a freelance position might be able to offer. Um, it just, it energizes me. It makes me feel connected to people. But, um, you know, I think it's great for anyone interested in exploring it, just a more flexible route for themselves. If you're not sure exactly what you want out of your next role, or if you have kind of an idea, Maybe the work you'll do in freelance will push you in a direction that you want to go or it'll make you realize where you don't want to go. Does it does it take a certain type of personality to be successful at freelancing, though? That's a good question. Um, You know, I can't say for sure, but I do know that more social people who really thrive off of others energy and really love get a creative burst out of it like I do. Um, it would be harder for me to do it really long term. But, you know, for folks who are more fine with the com- with the company of themselves and enjoy the um, online rapport, I think it's great. So it really depends on what you what you can be comfortable with. So you are now working, going from freelancing to now working for this huge company that is Edelman and all the different departments that it has and all the different offices. So talk to us about, I guess, A, just even that transition from working with a much smaller capacity as a freelancer, smaller companies, what have you, to now working for such a larger company. Um, and what are the things that you like about it the most? How does it really benefit you personally? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is I've felt very supported um, as a part of a large company. There are constant um, meetings and discussions and a lot of resources to how to work from home successfully and how to stay connected. A lot of weekly check-ins where we're just kind of, you know, having tea or coffee and talking about, you know, our real feelings, like what's really been going on. Um, and then offering each other recipes or workouts. And um, we have a lot of different channels on, we're using Teams. So we've got a lot of different channels geared towards everyone's interest. Um, so I'd say support has been major and it's helped this transition be a lot more smooth. I can only imagine that in this sort of climate when we're lacking this connection that we're used to, that having the support of a larger company, I'm sure everybody is hungry for that connection. So you're going to find all the ways possible to keep connected with your large group. So what have you guys been doing to do that? You know, are you using video conferencing? Are you doing more group calls? Like what has this transition been like from February or January of 2020 um, to working with the same people today? Yeah, so I'd say we just started working from home in early March. Still running meetings as we would, but we definitely try to see each other's faces, um, no matter how we might look in the morning. You know, kind of like, hey, I see you. Um, connecting as if you would in person has been, you know, really helpful and something that we've been doing a lot. Um, then happy hours, of course, virtual happy hours. Um, we've been doing a lot of those and, you know, just keeping that constant stream of connection. It benefits the team. And have you found, you know, that any of your colleagues are like struggling during this time? So, you know, do you find that any of your colleagues have been struggling or maybe clients or, you know, I'm sure there's some difficulties during this time, whether it's personally navigating, you know, the the new climate or professionally your clients navigating this new climate. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And how are you and your team able to help that? 
Sure. Um, so from what I've seen and what I've heard from my, my team members, everyone seems to be kind of doing pretty well. But, you know, every day is different. I, I have good days and bad days. Um, today, I'm, I feel great. I am taking some time to chat with you and about the industry. And, you know, I'm going to take a really nice walk later. But some days I'm really busy and I have a lot of meetings and, you know, it's hard to compartmentalize. You know, sometimes you can't fall asleep because you've been working in your bedroom all day. And, and it's like, is this my office? This is my bedroom. So you know, I, t- I try to take it day by day and just remind myself that, you know, I'm I'm healthy. Things are going to be OK. And this is temporary. It is temporary. You know, and you and I, although we're talking over Skype right now, we are technically both in in New York City. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of in the I mean, we are we're in the epicenter yeah. of where everything is going on. So I think it's even more relevant to ask you personally, like, how how are you feeling? How are you doing? I mean, you're in Manhattan. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's you're you know, what you were saying before is so true. Sometimes you're like, am I? This is my bedroom. This is my living room, but this is also my office and how to compartmentalize that, how to when to shut off, what hours of the day am I going to be productive? Should I be so regimented or should I be more easy on myself? So I, I'm we're all figuring it out. I don't have the answers. I don't know if you have the answers, um, but, you know, are there things that you sort of tried anything that's helped or anything that you're like, Okay, this is not working for me. I, I'm I'm gonna scrap that. Definitely, um, reading the news in the morning I will not do anymore um, because that's that's an easy way to get yourself all worked up, and it can it can you know feed into your workday, and and that's not a good headspace to be in, especially when you have a lot to do. Um, and you know, finding little projects has helped me. Um, I bought an adult coloring book the other day that I have to say has really helped my mind just turn off the end of the day um so silly things like that but um finding little things troubleshooting has helped yeah I think that's great I think that we we've spoken on so many episodes of this podcast in particular whether it's times during COVID or a regular day before any of this was a thing about just keeping your mind and your body healthy um so I would say as someone who doesn't always prioritize staying physically active. I've never been a gym person. I'll take a yoga class a few times a year if it's a good year, if I'm being honest. But, you know, now it seems to be a really important time to just get some sort of physical activity in, to get some sunlight in um, or supplement with some vitamins or vitamin D or, you know, something like that. Um, You know, there's so many free resources right now that are available. Um, Things like fitness classes are absolutely blowing up. Um, obviously in the influencer space. So we, I've seen that personally. I've seen um, Course Horse is one. I don't know if you're familiar with Course Horse, but they've got virtual classes now, which is pretty cool. Um, so many free things. So whether it's just staying physically active or taking something that just enriches your mind could be something really interesting. I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday, actually, and they were saying something like, Imagine if you had started your own business during a time like this, when you potentially had two, maybe three months of 
focused time, time that you just never used to have, whether it's, you know, before work, after work, whether it's starting a business or just focusing on a hobby, but all this found time. Imagine how much better your skills would be at that hobby, your business would be in the long run and things like that. So I don't know. I, I'll speak personally. I'll say that in the past, like two to three weeks, it's been a little bit of a negative space, if I'm being honest. Like, there's just so much going on, man. It's overwhelming. And I don't know if I turned a corner or if my friends or colleagues have just really inspired me. But I am so much about, like, this is a new week. <laughs> you know, let's turn a corner. Let's take advantage of this time that we have. Let's, you know, use this this time that we never had before to just like build on something that we didn't have the opportunity to explore before. So whether it's business related, personal, like a, like a workout routine, what's your thing? Like with this time, if you were to be able to, you know, really focus in on like, Oh, all right, tonight I'm going to do this for myself. What would you do? Uh, you know, cleaning. I have to say, I wish it was working out, but I've never loved going to the gym. I, I do it just enough to, to feel good. But, you know, for me, I feel so much better if every part of my house is clean or if my, you know, if I can spend time with my fiance, Nick, but um, trying to just connect and, and do little things that keep my mind busy, but also just that make my space feel positive. Okay, I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I I have had the same exact experience as you with cleaning. First of all, and I don't know, like, do you feel like you're also getting some stress out? Like, are you a stress cleaner? Or do you I just think that you are? Okay. <laughs> I am. I'm such a stress cleaner. And I'm always, like, just picking up things around the house and, and make my fiancé jokes that I put things in, in silly places. I just need them like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> oh my God. But yes, like just putting things away in their own place or like having them in a cabinet so you just don't see clutter. Uh, yep. It's like, it's huge. Oh my God. Do you find yourself organizing things like you didn't before? Are you just like yeah. keeping your workspace clean? Like, what is it exactly? Absolutely. I cleaned out my closet um, two weeks ago. Then last week I organized my jewelry. Um, what did I do this week? Then I organized all of my uh, pantry. You know, I think the space has had a, a nice spring clean. But um, how about you? I am constantly cleaning up after a four and a half year old. So oh yes, <laughs> I don't know that it's ever perfectly clean. Um, but I've been motivated and I would say I've, I've been in the mood to do it more than I ever have, you know, like after a, like commuting and after a long stressful day at the office. Um, that's like the last thing I'd want to do. Um, it's, it, I'm enjoying it and I, I'm not like, I, I seem to be making more space to do it. But the, the truth is, is if you just like drill it down, it's, it's just that after everything is so clean and put away, it just feels like you feel so much more comfortable in this space that you're, you're locked in for, for a few weeks. So that's been really nice. And then cooking, I like, I don't know, I kind of go in and out of phases of cooking. Um, 
being living in Manhattan, like I am all about Grubhub and Seamless most days, if I'm being honest, like of especially after a long work day, right? Like because you have then grocery shopping and then cooking everything, it's too much. Um, you know what we subscribe to, and this is so not an ad on this podcast. We actually subscribe to Dinnerly. Have you ever heard of them? I haven't. Okay, so it's like it's like a Blue Apron. It's like a like a, a HelloFresh, like similar sort of thing. I'm a, I'm a really picky eater. I eat like a five year old. <laughs> it's so <laughs> embarrassing. Um, and dinnerly to be like, it's not that adventurous of food, but it's like adventurous enough that you get a little bit of variety. But it like it's nice. It actually it's giving us something to do. We get like three meals a week, and we make sure that we cook those three meals. We've been cooking so much more and just like, I don't know, having that routine, maybe it's the routine of yeah. cleaning, of cooking. Um, it's a way to sort of like wind your brain down at the end of the night and sort of like reset a little bit. Um, it's been nice. Are you guys cooking at all? Are you guys ordering? Uh, what are you guys doing? We are, but we're also ordering a lot. You know, some weeks are good for cooking. Others, we get really bogged down with work or we just don't feel like it. Um yeah. But the wine is always stocked. I will say that. <laughs> Are you a red or white or a rosé? Oh, red. I'm a red yeah. girl. How about you? I'm more of a rosé or like a white wine girl. So we'll never fight over the wine. We'll cheers each other with opposite <laughs> colors. <laughs> yes. Um, no, that's that's really nice. I feel like, um, I don't know, just being able to like cook and unwind or have yeah. a glass of wine and like in, unwind and enjoy the end of the night like that has to be a way that I'm sure you've found to just like distinguish the workday from the yes. whole environment right it's definitely going to be a process for me but for a little while I'll do whatever I can to keep my mind occupied for the rest of the night definitely talk to me a little bit about your clients you know, we can easily go on your website, like Edelman's site, and see like all the amazing, huge clients that you guys as an agency work with. Um, which are the ones that you specifically work with? Because um, I'd love to dive a little bit more into their work during this time, but even beyond that. Yeah, so I work on Tazo Tea um, and a couple of the ice cream brands under the Unilever portfolio. So right now working on Popsicle, but I've also touched um, Magnum and a couple of other um, brands like that. So ice cream has been really fun and comforting, as I'm sure you can imagine. I can imagine. And it's fantastic that you're working. I would assume also fun and opportunistic that you're working, opportunistic in a good way, that you're working with clients that are in the food space, right? Because right now, I can imagine that, you know, your clients are active. Um, is that true, first of all? Or have they been actively engaging with influencers during this time? Have they paused? What are What's the activations like right now? Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of relate to this, but some campaigns have been totally postponed, um, which requires, of course, a lot of going back and amending contracts or just a lot of logistical coordinating with with agents and influencers. So while some are kind of paused for now, others have pivoted to much more of the educational um, live stream kind of um, format that we're seeing a lot of right now. So um, I know for Tazo Tea, we're, we're releasing a bunch of really cool live series over the next couple of weeks. The first one launched last week, so tune in, um, in which we are partnering with a couple of really great um, fitness professionals and mixologists to give people some 
recipes and meditation ideas that they can do at home. A lot more of a focus on just maintaining a level of normalcy and positivity in your home while we can versus, you know, trying to push a certain product. Yeah. And I I love that. I think that that's been not really a debate, but just a discussion in like the WIM Facebook group in particular. People are just like, all right, I want to make sure that I'm advising my clients properly. I don't want to feel tone deaf, but I also want to follow through with the obligations that I have, which are, you know, to make this brand um, incredible, even more incredible than it already is and using influencers and like making these partnerships amazing. So what can I do to really help facilitate that? Um, and so I'm so glad to hear things like you're saying, which are, you know, well, we're doing live streams and we're doing, you know, we're adding value. We're obviously um, responding to the times and listening to what people are really looking for right now. Like, you know, having a mixologist in your living room, you know, yeah. come to you and and provide like a little bit of entertainment at the end of a long work day, working from home. The kids have gone to sleep, what have you. And, you know, being able to just like enjoy that entertainment and that that maybe educational piece, too. Like, that sounds great. You know, being yeah. able to provide meditation or something. I mean, that's incredible. So, what has the creative process been like? Is that you guys brainstorming with the brand? Is that your team brainstorming internally? Like, how have those brainstorming sessions worked out? Oh, they've been massive um, video calls, which have been really fun. I love a brainstorm just because it kind of pulls us out of our our day to day, and we can we can throw around some fun ideas. But um, they've been a lot of video calls, the internal team throwing ideas. Offer deadline on Oak Street, aisle three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Ground and then bringing those to the client and just kind of finding that right happy medium of what feels good for right now without, you know, of course, being tone deaf or what is actually going to help people at home. Um, and what I've really enjoyed about all this, and maybe you can relate, but it's really showed a different side of influencers. You know, it's less um, composed and they're really just in their homes and being so real with followers that I think has been so interesting and special to watch. I feel like it's refreshing. It is. Uh, right? Like, it's so interesting what suddenly having a peek into somebody's home gives you. It, like, breaks down this wall of I don't know, like some people might be like intimidated by influencers or just there's this like aspirational quality to a lot of influencers, at least. And um, it's so interesting how just constantly seeing them in their home, like we all have a home, we all have, you know, we all have a messy bun in our hair and <laughs> and like maybe we're wearing pajamas for a little longer than we normally do. Um, but just kind of seeing human beings be human beings it is. It's a new it's a new tone that um, I would assume that these brand partnerships are going to end up tapping into. So uh, talk to us a little bit more about that. The other brands that you're working with, um, when you're activating influencers and they're in their homes, the other piece of it, too, is 
I'm sure they're also somewhat limited in resources, for example, just to talk about logistics. Like, you know, maybe they don't have the photographer that they're used to shooting with and they're concerned about the quality of the image or some, you know, the mail or the post office or, you know, UPS isn't necessarily acting as it normally is right now. So what are some of the logistical hiccups maybe that you've encountered and um, how are you guys working through those? Yeah, I think now more than ever, flexibility is going to be so important with everything that we do because, um, you know, for example, last Friday I was placing orders for, um, for some products for our next Instagram live and a lot of them were delayed just due to inventory and things like that. So you might have had an idea for one recipe and now it's totally unavailable to you. You can't, you can't make it. So how can we alter this? And I think the biggest thing for working on food brands has been like, we want to be really conscious of what people have in their homes. You know, we don't want to have people feel the need to run out and buy certain things. Um, that's been a big focus. But I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this all affects the industry in general, because, you know, maybe we will move in a direction where we want less um, stylized content. Maybe followers really will respond well to it and feel a, more of a kinship with influencers who are kind of keeping it real in their homes. Or things like that. So I'm really interested to see um, what kind of effect this has on on longer term stuff with influencers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do wonder my I don't know about you. Um, the influencers that I've always sort of naturally gravitated to are ones that are just a little bit more real and honest and raw, like a little less polished. Um, those are the ones that I personally gravitate towards. Um, I've heard some people sort of discuss what happened, what does happen to some of those like really polished, high fashion influencers who are used to working with these big fashion houses or just really expensive products in this new world that we're going to be living in for a bit, which is people might be willing to spend a little less money these days. They might be saving a lot more and being a little bit more conservative with their spending. And again, like just this general sensitivity to even if it doesn't directly affect you and you're one of the fortunate ones that like has a job, you're just working from home, you haven't taken a pay cut, you know, like things like that. And you're very fortunate that there are people out there who like you have to be aware, you should be aware of other people's circumstances. My question for you is how do you remain relevant in the influencer space in particular? What would you tell some of these brands? I would just say coming at whatever your goal is with a level of humanity and and flexibility, um, just knowing that, you know, people are really paying attention to what a brand is saying on social right now. So making sure that that messaging doesn't come off as tone deaf and you really aren't trying to push a certain product or service. And if you are, how are you doing it to help people? So I think just really grounding yourself in and leveling with people and what do they need right now and, and what what would further our agenda maybe push push that to the back burner. I think that's so spot on. I've I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen just some companies who are aligning themselves with charities, for example, if you buy this, we'll give a percentage of our proceeds or our profits um, directly to a charity. 
things like that. They're really refreshing to see. It's an added level of humanity. Talk to me a little bit about the influencers that you personally like to follow. Um, I'm sure there's a bit of your personal preferences infused in the recommendations that you make to brands. It's a combination. It's a, right. It's got to be people that you're genuinely enthusiastic about. But of course they make a, a, they fit for that brand. Talk to us a little bit about just like who you personally like to follow. Yeah, of course. I know I'm so guilty too of just pushing influencers that I personally love and have relationships with because I know what they can bring to a table for like a client. Whereas, you know, sometimes it's less obvious if someone's just scrolling through your feed. But I love to partner with influencers who, you know, can own their content. They, they know what works well in their channel. They know their style. They just have a real sense of who they are and what their followers want. Um, that's always so helpful because I'm sure you've probably worked with so many influencers who have an amazing feed or, you know, a ton of followers, but they still need a lot of handholding along the way. Independent creators who can stand behind their work and also, you know, back it up too. Like if, if maybe it isn't coming through the way a client wants, maybe hearing from them and why did they go about they did? Um, just having a voice in that way, I think is really sets people apart. And so that's the creative part of who you mm-hmm. like to follow. Talk to me more about the professionalism part. Like, you know, if there is an influencer that you work with on a campaign and they're doing X, Y, Z, this would like almost guarantee that you will advocate for them next time. You'll try to hire them again. What does that look like to you? Oh, yeah. Um, deadlines, major. It's, I need you to hit your deadlines. Um, also, you know, copy and branding um I, I can't even tell you how many times i've i've had influencers submit copy that doesn't have the right brand tag or hand handle hashtag anything and you're like how did this happen um so i think just paying attention to the details and you know I'm, i try to be overly prescriptive too when i work with influencers which you know it could come off as a little like eh, but um you know i like to give them everything they need right up front like here are your brand tags here's everything here are the key points and really just putting the onus on them. But I think accountability is huge and it really does make you go back to those folks again and again. Definitely. I would probably venture to say maybe it's half and half where you're working half with influencers directly, maybe half managers or agents. Is that percentage accurate or is it more agents or managers? What would you say? I'd say it's like 90% agents now, but I think I think, you know, because influencers are really needing support for people who can pitch them and, you know, put them out there into the world, whereas maybe sometimes influencer schedules, they don't allow them to do as much proactive um, searching for, for work or aligning with the right brands. So for those agents and managers listening, what would you say would help them continue to work with you or to work with you and things that they should avoid? I think proofreading, I love, you can tell when an agent has proofread their influencer's copy or, you know, just making sure that everything that you are counting on them for is given back to you when it is time to present to a client. Because if it's not, then you get to a place you have to go back to the influencer and say, like, I need these edits and this and that, and that can delay your schedule. So I love, um, like, I love your platform specifically because um, it's so clear and you're like, what do you need? List everything. And it's, it's all there and it's, it's so easy to use. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So proofreading. I hear that 
all the time. Like, you are certainly not the first person to say that, which kind of blows my mind. Um, so please, agents and managers listening, um, you know, you do that detailed work that I think you were just asking the influencers to do. Um, it's a team, it's a team effort, right? So the influencers should theoretically be putting the correct hashtags and the correct at mentions and things like that. But it's also, you know, two eyes are always better than one. So or four eyes are better than two, I guess, if we're being technical. So, you know, the you know, the manager, the agent should also proofread as well, 100%, just to provide another perspective, probably helping them with deadlines, I would assume as well. Um, what else should managers or agents do or what shouldn't they do to just work in the most ideal way? Uh, you know, I love a collaborative effort. And sometimes, you know, from working in an agency, you tend to go back to the managers who you've had really great experiences with in the past. So I think managers who can just really help kind of nudge their influencers to meet deadlines and to kind of produce the best content they possibly can or maybe bounce ideas off of them. Um, I found that the more hands-on managers are really my favorite personally to work with um, because you can tell that they put a lot of love and attention into their clients and their work. And ultimately with everyone, everyone putting their hands in and working together, it makes the best outcome. It's about the relationships that you're building with these specific agents. And, you know, if it goes well and if you guys like trust each other and collaborate well and can rely on each other, then, you know, that's where everything really thrives. Just know that your agent, your agency is not going to be the one that's advocating for you and pushing for like hard for you. It's going to be the agent that's like obsessed with your work, you know, speaks the language of your brand and is really just passionate about you. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like agency versus agent? Absolutely. And I think building relationships with agents, at least from being at an agency, is just as important as building relationships with the influencers. Because like you said, you know, you can get to build a rapport with them and they know what's important to you and your clients and you find out what they're interested in and what their talent's up to. And you kind of build this relationship where you can call upon each other for whatever is happening on your side of things. Those are my favorite kind of relationships. And I love, too, that I feel like you're someone who really has always valued networking in particular. Talk to us a little bit about that, because, I mean, this is what we're talking about. It's the relationship side of the business. Like, it seems like you, you've described yourself as like, I'm a very social person. You know, I really thrive off of that energy. I love networking. How has like, how has that worked for you? Um, has it always come easy to you? And like, just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Networking, I think is so, so important. Whether you have a job or whether you're looking for a job, building connections with people, because even if there's not an immediate opportunity, there's someone who you can come back to at another point in time. Um, like I know I was connected with you initially through an agent contact of mine. And from there, I joined your networking group and built new connections and new connections. And since then, I've identified influencers that have been amazing and partnership opportunities. And a lot of it opened a lot of doors. So I think that every connection you make opens a different door and nurturing those connections only makes them more rich. And with influencers, too, um, there's. 
I think it's so important to if you if you are going to recommend an influencer for a project, like let's go to lunch. Let me hear what you like to do. Having those personal tidbits to weave into your recommendation, I think, makes the world of difference. Yeah. And like everybody listening, Amanda just said like she likes to go to lunch with people like not everybody (laughs) is willing to do that. And so it's so important for people to just like to hear that about you and that you are so open to it. You've always been like that. I really appreciate that about you again. Like I see your face around. I see your name around. Like you just put yourself out there. And I think that's like an incredible attribute that will just make you successful truthfully like in business and life and so I I asked this before and I really would love to ask it again like have you always been like that is it ever something that you've sort of struggled with or has that just come naturally to you no I think it's always come pretty natural um I've I've always been a sorority or in in work I've always found networking to just be like the best real test and learn kind of approach for me that Mm -hmm. I think works worked in my favor and so you were in a sorority yeah oh yeah back in the day (laughs) which one I was a Chi Omega nice there are a lot of different people listening to this podcast and some of them might be in college some of them might even be younger and just being like oh like I want to have a career working with influencers like how do I make that a reality what would you tell younger women or younger girls who are listening to this podcast of just how to be successful as a woman in business? Would you suggest joining sororities? Do you, su- you know, what, what other things do you suggest that they would do from an earlier age? Yeah, I mean, everyone's interests are different, but for me, that was helpful in kind of perfecting the elevator pitch of yourself, you know, before you entered the professional world. Like, what are those points that you want to express to people? And can you say it quickly? Because we all know attention spans are short, especially now. Um, and that helps me perfect or not perfect. You know, it's, of course, something that we're always going to be evolving over time. But, you know, that helped in, in the early the early days of my career. But kind of what are your bullet points? What are your selling points? What can you bring to the table? Um, and kind of get to those points quickly, but also making them conversational for other people to weigh in. And mm-hmm. just connecting with people, asking them questions, being a listener is so important. Because if you're just talking about yourself the whole time, you know, how can you hear what's important to other people and what they're looking for? That is so, so key. Yeah, absolutely. Just listening, but also like, how do you, I don't know, what you just said really struck rang true. It's like, how do you even know what they're looking for? How do you even know what they need um, in order to bring something of value? Maybe you have a lot of valuable attributes to bring to the table, but it would be most relevant to bring the one that they specifically need. So asking the right questions and being inquisitive and um uh, it's such a good attribute to have. Like, I, I hope that people can learn that attribute if they don't naturally have it. Um, I don't know if they can. I, I, like, what do you think? Do you think that people can yeah. learn to be better at that? Probably. Sure, sure. But I think, you know, sometimes you have to fail a couple times or you don't get that job that you want. Or if you do, maybe it winds up not being the right fit. Um, so learning from your experiences, that's been major for me. I've, I've worked at a couple of different agencies and, you know, some have been great. Some have really changed who I am as a person. Um, but it's all a learning experience. And I've, I've been honest about that in interviews, too, which maybe helps, maybe doesn't. I don't know. I'm curious what you think as an interviewer. But um, coming at it, coming at 
your conversations with a level of honesty. And like if someone's looking for a certain attribute that maybe, you know, isn't your strongest, you can you can it's okay to say that, but it's also okay to let them know why. A hundred percent. I don't know if your question was rhetorical or not. I mean, I would say absolutely like being able to have someone in a room, whether it's like an interview situation or just like we're going to work together in some capacity. I'll just say that, like, I really respect people who have a self-awareness and who are humble um, and, you know, that ability to be humble is sort of exactly what you're describing, which is like, I know what I'm good at, but I know what I'm not good at. So I can tell you that, like, I could kill this specific thing in our, you know, situation working together. But like, I, I'd have to sort of research a bit to figure out the other piece or, you know, I would have to tap into the skills of my colleagues, but I'm a really good collaborator and I can articulate exactly where I, the areas that I need support. Um, or, you know, if you give if or I could also work my butt off to just figure it out, but I don't know it yet. Um, And sort of like some of those key words are so important, but just like it's just something that I respect about people. Um, And honesty is probably the number one if I could articulate, you know, an order or sequence of things. Just people who are really honest about whether, you know, how they feel about things or how they their own skill sets or what they need because the worst situation is also if you're talking about like in a hiring capacity is that somebody says all the quote right things in an interview you hire somebody and then they get there and after a very short amount of time you realize like this is not what we talked about like this isn't the same person in some instances like this I just wish that some people were honest um it just ends up being a waste of time and I when I yeah like when I have interviewed a lot of really incredibly successful people on this podcast um who are very open to networking a few of them have been brave enough to also say I love networking and I'm always happy to do it, even if it's people who, you know, are younger, have significantly less experience, et cetera. But I also want people who are just honest about where they're at in their careers and and also like hungry enough and articulate enough to describe like what they are looking for too. Um, but talk to us about all of your mentors or bosses and sort of the people that have encouraged you along the way. I'm sure there are a lot of different attributes that have really inspired you or progressed you along. And maybe there are some people who they're like, oh, you're a dream killer. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I would never want to do that to somebody. What are some things that have really moved the needle for you professionally? And, you know, are there people, are there certain attributes you're like, oh, I hope nobody ever does this to anybody again? <laughs> Absolutely. And I, in New York, it's so easy to come by both. I think it's harder to find people who really, who you can look at as mentors because it's, it's rare to find an empowering space with, for other women. There's a lot of competition or, but, um, I think the best mentors that I've had have given me the space to grow. They haven't micromanaged. They've, you know, they've told me like, figure it out. Um, if you, if you, Again, that you can easily find the answer to. Um, I found that bothers people. And, you know, the best piece of advice was that I've ever received is you can figure this out. And if you can't, we'll work on it. 
Um, so that's been helpful. And I think on the other side of that, um, I don't want to say like the worst managers I've had, but I'd say that um, those who I've had a harder time connecting with were maybe people who were really aggressive or embraceive and, um, you know, didn't give you the space to learn, um, didn't take a moment to to show you things or to onboard you properly or to really just be a, a supportive role in your in your position. So I've learned I've learned a great deal from my bad bosses, <laughs> but I've um, I've learned more from from the people who have really um, taken me to the next level or allowed me to get there. And I'm really happy to hear that you've had those people, right? Because not everybody is fortunate to have those. I hope that in WIM we can really encourage women who are have been successful in their careers and who are a little bit further along uh, or who just have been fortunate enough to have mentors to just recognize that, like, you can be such a powerful force to somebody who is where you were just five years ago, 10 years ago, or even a year ago. Um, but just having positive women in each other's lives, that alone can open up so many mental barriers that we have um, on ourselves. This is a question that we ask everybody on the podcast. So I think this is a great time to ask you, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you either a personal or a professional advantage today? I would say it's um, like if you've ever been fired from a job or if you've ever really botched a project, that lesson chances are you're not going to forget it. There's probably a really important lesson that you're learning. And, you know, chances are, too, if, if one thing didn't work out and you really felt like you failed, it's probably because there was something else waiting for you um, in a different realm. I love that so much. Where can everybody get in touch with you if inevitably they want to reach out? I feel like you've got such a great spirit about you, and I've always really appreciated that about you. You can sort of tell it. I'm sure people here listening to this podcast can, like, immediately tell. So um, I'm sure you're going to have some people wanting to get in touch. Um, how? What's the best way? Great. Um, email. I can give you my personal email and my work email. Um, also, Instagram. Um, or let's go to lunch. <laughs> Or go to lunch. Oh my God. Take Amanda up on that (laughs) offer. (laughs) We're going to link all of those ways to connect with you in the show notes of the podcast. So you don't have to list them here. Um, please take advantage of her invitation. She's going to be such a pleasure to chat with as she was today. You can ask her all the questions that you have. um, And she's just a great person to know. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. This has been awesome and really, really refreshing in, in this crazy time. So thank you so much. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Oh, hey kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow while the whole crew's all, you induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice.
The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, hot, hot. 